Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, aka Longform Luke, and this is the Loans On Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And I'm excited because today we have a legend of the industry, Coach Bill Hart. And I'm excited to pick his brain a little bit and see how much value we can extract out of his brain. So thank you so much for being here, Bill. Welcome to the show. My pleasure, Luke. Fired up about this. Let's see where this goes, man. Awesome, man. Well, for anybody who doesn't know who you are, which is crazy, but if they don't know who you are, give us a little background on on who Coach Bill Hart is, what sort of makes you tick, why are you still in this crazy industry, you know, all these years later, all that fun stuff, man. Give us the background. Yep. I'll give you a a relatively short version. So I'm a great-grandpa, grandpa, dad, husband, Christ follower. That's who I am. What I do is I'm a coach. I've been a coach for a little over 20 years, 30,000 hours in the coach's seat. We figured out the other day, Wow. wrote a book called White Collar Warrior, Lessons for Sales Professionals from America's Military Elite, where I interviewed Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, and a top gun instructor. Got a podcast called All In with Coach Bill Hart, working on a second book now based on impact, living a life of impact. So yeah, man, that's who I am. And honestly, I tell people all the time, I'm 68 years old, and I I just keep saying, you know, as long as I can continue to form sentences and show up without food on my shirt, I think I'm going to continue to do what I do. So I love what I do. My buddies that are retired demonstrate to me that that's not appealing to me. So, you know, from a view a little further down the road, I would just say for me, what's exciting is keep working, be relevant take more three-day weekends, take more vacations, but blend the two. Right, right. Yeah, and I see that in myself as well. I don't know that I'll ever fully retire. We'll see what happens when I'm you know, a little older, but I just don't see myself being able to sit still long enough to enjoy being retired. Even just I get taking a vacation is a little tough to like not be connected to stuff. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited because I know you got plethora of experience in this space. Obviously, coaching 30,000 hours, that's ridiculous amount of coaching hours. You know, I know you've have a ton of experience. So kind of like walk us through, like what got you into this industry in the first place? Yeah, great question. I'm trying to figure out where to take you back to. I was working for Todd Duncan doing seminars for lenders Okay. on Todd's behalf. Basically, I had started an interview series with Todd called the Real Estate Performance System Reps, where I interviewed top producing realtors. We sold those to lenders who use that as a value add with realtors. Interesting glimpse back into the past for you with your focus on wanting to to flip that, right? But it was always Todd's idea that, man, if you lead with value, then, you know, the law of reciprocity kicks in. And so I had been doing that. Along that way, Daniel Harkavy, the founder of Building Champions, was Todd's coach. Mm -hmm. And I remember him setting up a table. Have you ever been to Todd's sales mastery event in Palm Springs? Uh I haven't, but I would love to. You need to to go. He postponed it this year for obvious reasons. I'm sure it'll be back next year, but you're in San Diego. It's like an hour for you. Yeah, yeah. So come hang out. It's usually at the Marriott Desert Springs. I think I've been to 25 of them. And I remember outside the ballroom, Daniel was setting up one of those folding tables with a banner hanging over it that said Building Champions. It had the Building Champions logo on it. And I don't know. I had time. He had time. He's like, hey, Bill, 
you know, have you ever thought about coaching? You'd be a fantastic coach. And I was like, maybe. I mean, I just always saw myself as a speaker. And that's how I made my living. And he said, man, I think you'd be a great coach. And you ought to move up to Oregon where we're based. And I live in Ventura County. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really see that happening. And for all my friends and listeners and viewers who are in the Pacific Northwest, all due respect, gorgeous, love it. Not my thing, probably any more than it is yours. You just I don't know. live in Southern California. You just kind of get used to, you know, tomorrow we're going to be serving as that we're recording this tomorrow's Thanksgiving. We're going to have people out in the backyard because the weather's going to be perfect and you just right. kind of get spoiled. So anyway, I said, no, nah, I don't think that's interesting. And then we just stayed in touch. And eventually he said, well, you know, you could do it by phone. Now, this is 03, 2003. Okay. Okay. And I'm thinking, coaching by phone, supplement my speaking. Yeah, this could be interesting. Well, you know, little did I know, he knew. But I stepped into a whole new world that was just the thing that lit my heart on fire. And so that's why I said to you before, when you asked before we started recording, how should I introduce you? I said, coach, you know, there's a hat just out of the shot over there that just says coach on the front. And my license plate is Coach BH on my Jeep. I'm a coach because I've been doing this a long time. So that's yeah. how it started. Man, I love it. I love it. And, you know, 30,000 hours. What would you say is like your biggest lesson you've learned out of coaching that really gets people to take action? Because I'm sure a big part of what you do is, you know, I mean, because you can tell people all day, you give people information all day, something I've learned, but taking action is really what is the differentiator. So when yeah. it comes to that, like, what drives action a lot of times? What is sort of like the correlation between the ones that do take action and the ones that don't? Such a great question, Luke. So in my opinion, it's connecting their head to their heart. So a lot of times I think in our business in particular, you know, this is probably true in financial services and the car business and, sure. you know, wherever we're dealing with people and sales need to be made. That journey between your head and your heart can be a really long one for some people where I had knowledge, I know I should do this, I've studied these things. But man, when you get somebody to connect that to their heart, I'll give you an example. So I coached a guy for years, lives very close to you, has an autistic son who's now probably 21 years old. When I was with Building Champions, we would always start before we got into any business issues at all with a life plan. And so the life plan was designed to say, this is where I want to be 5, 10, 15 years down the road. And he had done that. He had done the exercise. And we had the whole why conversation. You know, the Simon Sinek video, best yeah. dissertation on the topic. And one day he shows up in a coaching session. And I don't know why, but he's crying. Like, and this is back on the phone before Zoom. Right. And he's just like broken up. And he said, coach, I came to a realization. And that is... The state of California is not going to be able to take care of my son. And the federal government is not going to be able to take care of my son. So I have to take care of him for his lifetime, which means I have to set things in motion even beyond when I'm gone to take care of him. And he said, I'm all in. And that's an extreme example, but that's what I'm talking about. When somebody connects, yeah, this is a great industry. Yeah, this is good money. Yeah, I could really make something good happen here. When they connect it to their heart, some sense of purpose, it could be giving, it could be, in this case, taking care of a child that is not going to be self-sufficient. It could be someone who wants to build passive income through investment properties. It could be, I want to take my parents to Italy for three weeks, whatever. But for me, that's it. 
man, I just got goosebumps because of that. I mean, it is huge. I mean, you know, talking about connecting it to the why and having a bigger and deeper reason for why you do things. It makes going through markets like we're in right now a little bit more terrible. Sure. You know, obviously it's not fun to go through a market like we're in right now, but it also allows us to have the staying power that otherwise we wouldn't have, you know, if we didn't have a solid why, right? I mean, because yeah, you can make sure. money in mortgage, but you can also you know, have years like this where, you know, your income cuts in, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70%. But, and, you know, it, there's a lot of downside to that from the perspective of financial. But I think, you know, markets like this is when, you know, the champions are really sort of made and crafted because I mean, it's a hard time, but it forces us to level up and grow and, and all that stuff. So as you're sort of navigating these times, what's sort of the mindset or what's the way that, you know, because I, I know there's a lot of negativity right now. There's the media that's portraying negativity. There's obviously, you know, we see the rates, how high they are, inventory shortages. Like there's a lot against us. And, you know, mm. as the national coach over there at Movement, I'm sure you talk to loan officers every single day about, you know, how to stay positive, how to continue to go. Like, mm. what are you finding as the conversations are that you're having right now in the midst of this market? Yeah. I mean, the simplest answer to that is control what you can control. And everybody nods their head at that. Like, yep, you're right. I should do that. but. I've found as a coach, if I just get people to nod their heads in agreement, we're only at the 10 yard line. Like I got to help them move further down the field. And so the tactical tools are helpful. So in the spirit of controlling what you can control, a couple of things come to mind. One is if you can picture three buckets, everybody has three buckets and it's control, influence and no control. And so if you think about interest rates, for example, right now, can I control them? No. Can I influence them? I mean, other than buy downs and adjustables, not really. So if it's no control, I just have to put it in the no control bucket and acknowledge, fair enough, I can't control that. What can I control? I can control my attitude. I can control what I put into my head each day. I can control whether I'm watching the news. And I'm just going to tell your listeners and viewers right now, like, I'm not saying stick your head in the sand and don't pay any attention, but if you turn on the evening news out of habit, as most of us do, or the morning news, and you're watching children with blood and rubble mm -hmm. on their head being pulled out of you know rubble in the Middle East, it's not a great way to start your day. I'm not saying don't be aware of that. And if for me, I use an app called Smart News. It's just an easy way to get the news on my phone. I don't have to watch videos and I don't have to marinate in it. There's nothing good that comes from that. There's Great. nothing good that comes from that. I believe what we listen to, whether it's a podcast, music, whatever that is right now, you got to double down on that. And I would also pay attention to your bookends. And by your bookends, I mean, what time do you go to bed? What time do you wake up and why? Here's what I've learned, Luke. When I ask a new client, hey, what time do you wake up? And they say, mm, that means they don't have a definite time. Right. They don't. I tell you, I wake up at 445 every day and I go to bed. So do I. Nice. So <laughs> I say 445, yeah. right? Yeah, let's go. Dude, it's a magical hour, maybe even two hours, right? Depending on your family, and, yeah. you know, what's around you and who's around you. But you can get such a jump on the day, whether you go and work out or reading or listening to something, whatever it is that you do with that time, as long as it's not jumping into responding to emails, which would be right. a bad plan first thing, right? It's a magnificent change. And so if somebody is watching or reading this right now saying, yeah, if he had asked me, I would have said, meaning it kind of depends. I mean, the time change, I'm a little messed up right now. I'm not sure. I kind of wake up at seven, maybe 730, like bad plan, bad 
plan. So here's what happened in my experience. This is what I've been watching. All of us, myself included, during COVID, drifted off into an unhealthy place. Stretch pants, a little too much bourbon at night, a little too much beer, a little too much Netflix binging, sleeping in a little late because now I'm not commuting to an office. Like, stop that. Stop that. This is the time. If you haven't already stopped that, stop that. Figure out how many hours you need to sleep optimally. For me, it's eight hours. So for me, I'm in bed at nine o'clock. I'm up at 445. It just works for me. It's not for everybody, but just find it. And if you do get up at seven, try two weeks of getting up at six. See what happens. See how much more productive you are. So coming back to the three buckets, control, influence, no control, and ultimately the banner I wave over all of that is control what you can control. Let's go ahead and talk about the realtors because you and I both know they're real estate agents that are driving Ubers right now. Yep. And you talk to realtors in a market like this and you're going to hear from people that are accessible. Yeah, man, it's dead. There is nothing happening out here. And yet, look, and here's what we know. And loan officers, for sure. Yeah. But here's what we know. Barry Habib just said recently, and it's a declining number, admittedly, but we're still originating 390,000 brand new loans every month. That's 13,000 loans a day that are being originated every single day, whether you're in the business or not. So the encouragement that I try to give to LOs is your job is to do two things. Number one, go get in the way of that business, which is taking place, whether you're in the business or not. In addition, create new business opportunities through meaningful conversations every day, mm -hmm. particularly with borrowers. I mean, sure, you can do the same thing with referral partners, no doubt, realtors, financial planners, wealth advisors, insurance agents, no doubt. But I'm just talking like humans, just people. Here's what I coach people to say right now. Forgive me, but you kind of, you pulled the rope on my Evan Rude, right? And here we go. Let's go. Yeah. Perfect. Here's what I would say. If I was a loan officer in November 2023, maybe December by the time you're listening to this, I would be saying to people, every single person you meet, you know it's going to happen. At some point when you meet a new person, the conversation always comes around to, so Luke, what do you do? And when you say, I'm a mortgage professional, I'm a loan originator, whatever it is that you say, they're going to say, oh, sucks to be you, right? Like that's what they're going to say right now because right, they know right. it's a horrible market. Right. You laugh just knowing that that's what they're thinking, right? Whether they say it or not and say, yeah, I'm in the mortgage and real estate business, which always begs the question, tell me a little bit about your real estate story and then shut up. Mm, I love it. Listen to them tell you, well, you know what? We've been in our house for 15 years. We got a two and seven eights fixed. Can't imagine doing anything right now. Well, totally get that. A lot of people feel that way. I've actually got something that could be really interesting to you. Pick up your phone, Look at your phone, not at them at this point, thumbs over the keyboard and say, hey, I've got something I want to get to you. What's the best way for me to get that to you? You're looking at your phone. You've asked the question and it's going to get weirdly uncomfortable for them if they don't say 805-619, whatever, like, right? They're going to give you a phone number or an email address. And if they don't, you probably don't want them in your world anyway. And then you go to the Google and you look up an article related to their situation, which could be. I'm living in my parents' basement at 27, and I'd right. really like to get out, but I don't think I can do it. I can't imagine I don't have 20% down. Wow, really? 
yeah, you've got some options you don't know about. Let me send you something. Or, dude, we made three offers on houses last year and we lost them to all cash or we just can't compete. This is not our time. We're going to wait for rates to come down. That's one approach. I got an interesting article for you. I think you'd find that interesting. So now you take that, you send it to them, you add that name and phone number or email address into your database every single day. Build your database. And you know this, I'm preaching to the choir here, but man, if you ask me at this point, if I was going to do a little branch out kind of, you know, encouragement to people, when I have an audience of loan officers, Luke, and I ask them before I tee up why I'm asking the question, how many people do you have in your database? I hear 387, 425, and it's the closed loans that they've had over the last five to eight years, right? You need a database of 1,000, 2,000, 5,000, because then the math just takes care of itself. The math takes care of itself. David Jaffe out here in Ventura has a database with 12,000 people in it. He actively markets to 2,500. Wally Elbiari in Dallas just wrote a great book called 24-7 Mindset. Highly recommend it. 28,000 people in his database. He has three people on his team that make 150 legitimately. I was just there with him in Dallas a month ago. We were playing golf. 150 outbound calls to that database every day. So 450 calls outbound to a database of 28,000 people every single day to tee up conversations around annual mortgage review, anniversary, what's going on, any life changes, right, happening with you. Last example, Denise Donahue, the mortgage nerd. Yeah. Dude, she markets to 6,000 realtors. I mean, when I first got into this business, I had clients that had six realtors, 16 realtors, 26 maybe. She markets to 6,000 realtors. It's a new day. It's a new game. And so I posted the other day, I don't know if you saw, challenge to people was, are you ready to reinvent yourself? And that's my encouragement to people is, dude, what got you here is not going to get you there. You know, it's like if you had a six-cylinder engine and I came and I just pulled five plug wires off it, which is essentially what happened in the mortgage industry as far as lead gen goes because right, the phone right. is just ringing. And you get in the car and it's like, a like, wow, this is terrible. What am I going to do? Well, you got to replace those plug wires with something different. Figure it out. Build your database, social, become interesting, become educated so you can educate, right? Like that's the world that we're in right now. So Man, I, don't I love get it. me started, but there you go. There's my philosophy. Man, so, I mean, Touch on one thing, right? You talk about control what you can control. I used to have a boss. When I worked, I was an AE at a mortgage company and it wasn't a great company. Well, I mean, at the time it wasn't a great company and he used to tell me that all the time and I used to get so pissed. This was before I started my business and all that kind of stuff and, you know, learn personal development. I wasn't into any of this stuff. I used to think Tony Robbins, snake oil salesman, all that kind of stuff, sure. right? Because I come from a Christian background. And so anybody that is, you know, in that sort of woo-woo space is no good. He's the king of woo-woo. Yeah. The king of woo-woo, right? You know, so yeah, there's some things there that I probably don't super agree with. But a lot of the stuff he talks about is, you know, things that are even in the Bible. And so to me, it's interesting because, you know, I used to hate it. I used to get so mad. So when he brought that up instantly, I just was like, man, I used to get so mad at him. And now as like a business owner, I'm like, all right, well, that's the truth. And we have the same conversations with loan officers almost every day. Like, oh, well, you know what? Yeah, we're getting pre-approved, you know, get pre-approvals. I already have X amount of pre-approvals. No one's closing. I'm like, so what's the alternative? Put your head in the sand and stop getting pre-approvals or do you just keep getting pre-approvals and hope some of them get it? Right. And so, you know, I love that. And one of my philosophies as well is the whole purpose of this podcast is like loan officers do need to reinvent themselves. The whole point is like, how do you bring the value to real estate agents? Could generate business for them? Sure. Right. That's one way. That's the way that I think is the best way. But I also think like, okay, well, like doesn't have to be that, right? It could be 
you know, giving them classes, talk about posting on social media. Like this is the easiest time ever to network at scale without actually having to be in person. Absolutely. Absolutely. I grew my whole business off of Facebook, off of literally Facebook organically, talking to people, reaching out to people, posting results, you know, just having conversations. Like you said, having conversations every single day. It doesn't have to be in person as as powerful, but I'm, interestingly enough, extroverted around people I know, but very introverted around people I don't know. So I hate networking events. I go to networking events and I hide in the corner. It's just not for me. I just don't really do that. And so I learned how to do that on social. And so I think there's a ton of opportunity for people that are understanding that. I think sometimes the younger crowd understands that. And I think they're getting less affected by this market than the traditional of just relying on real estate agents for your entire business. For sure. You know, that's what I... So let me just touch on something. You made a really interesting point. And I find myself pushing this chain uphill a lot. And then suddenly I see people kind of figuring it out. The social media game right now is insane. It is an unfair competitive advantage. Agreed. And here's the way I view it. It's just, I've got a simple mind, so I view things simply. But, you know, tomorrow, again, at the time that we record this, by the time you're listening to this, Thanksgiving will have already happened. But you think about that group that you're with, either at your home or somebody else's. Tomorrow, we're going to have 20 people here. And that's kind of my inner circle. Like if I were going to draw that on a wall, that's my inner circle. And then there's an outer circle, which is kind of friends, neighbors, family, friends from church, whatever, maybe some people that I work with. But then there's a third ring, Luke, and that it's huge. It's enormous. And it's called social media. Right. And it's what allows Denise to market to 6,000 realtors, because in traditional thinking, you just think, well, that's insane. I don't even know how to wrap my head around that. I don't have 6,000 realtors in my market. How does she do that? Well, they're not all in her market because she's all over social right now. They're in multiple states, but she provides value. She gets leads from them. She does business with them. So let's just talk about video for a second, because you are clearly an aficionado. I mean, you've got a gorgeous background, perfect lighting, excellent mic, you know, you figured it out, right? You figured out the advantage of video. And, you know, Luke, you called out, of course, being in person is better. And we would all agree with that. But here's what I know. Everybody that knows you has a box in their head and it says Luke. And if you met with them in person, they'd put a check mark in it. But here's what I know. If they see your video, it also gets a check mark because the subconscious doesn't know the difference right. between a live meeting and a virtual meeting. I started doing video 15 years ago and they were awful, like awful, not kidding. I just posted one yesterday. Yeah. I just posted one yesterday where it was, I was using the mic. It wasn't even an iPhone back then. It was a flip video camera, Uh which had a USB attachment on the bottom. And so I was probably, you know, 12 feet away from that. So my video sounded like this. So hi guys. Hey, I've got something really important to talk to you. You'd have to be like, What's he saying? Echoing in the background because terrible. no no sound awful. treatment. like Awful. And it was way too long and it just, the lighting right. wasn't good. And like, But here's what I know. Today, I meet people all the time, particularly when I go to speak, and they'll come up and say, I feel like I know you. We've never met. Here's what they know. They know I love Jesus. They know I love my wife. They know I'm in the mortgage business. They know that I like inspirational things. They know I love airplanes. They know I enjoy playing golf. They know I drive a Jeep. How do they know all that? Social media. 
Because here's what I figured out. If you haven't read Kyle Draper, as a matter of fact, you need to have him on the show if you haven't. Kyle Draper wrote a book called Great. Forget everything you know about social media. I wrote the foreword to his book. He takes such a personal approach to social media. So as an example, we all know realtors that you go to their page, you go to their Facebook page in particular, and you scroll and you see listings. Yep. And it's like, really? I mean... Really? If I had a party at my house, would you come over like with 25 sheets on your latest listing and say, hey, really nice to see you. I have a new listing on Easy Street, new listing on Easy. You wouldn't invite that person back. They would never come to your party again. Stop that. Yep. Talk about your dog, your car, the wind, Thanksgiving, like just become real with people and then weave in education, specific right. experiences, just helped a couple the other day. Right. And people get to know you. So anyway, you started thinking about it with the it's social is great. It's better if you meet in person. But man, I just I know this is true. This is absolutely true. And if you're not going to meet with them in person, because the way I built my business is what everybody did 30 years ago. You're walking into real estate offices with rate sheets and bagels and donuts and right. At some point that became called lunch and learns. And then you did lunch and learns. And here's what it means to me. When my granddaughter, Ella Grace, who's just turned 20, when she was about six, she would wear a dress. And it seems like most little girls go through this. And it was one of those dresses that kind of came out with like petticoats and they'd spin and then look at you like, aren't I pretty? Mm -hmm. And I kind of think that's the way that we grew up as loan officers approaching realtors. Like, aren't I pretty? And Dude, that gets old. And it gets really old when you do that in front of a realtor who has no leads to give you. Cause they don't want to, they don't want to be embarrassed. Like, I don't have anything for you. Right. I got the right car, I got the right watch, I carry the right purse. But if you ever did a loan for me, you would know what it really looks like behind the curtain. And it's not pretty right now. So that's yeah. the one thing I wanted to make sure I mentioned because of your focus on reversing the paradigm is yeah. that whole, you know, aren't I pretty dance with realtors? Quit that. Partner with them. Help them. Look for the ones that are willing to invest in themselves. If you have to sit in the open with them, in my opinion, in a market like this, man, sit in the open. But yep. work with people that are willing to work and are willing to partner. And a lot of them have left the business. So you don't have to worry as much. It's easier to find them. Survivors want to survive right now. Oh, 100%. One of the things we talk about a lot is like you doing your job well is not a value proposition. And unfortunately, the market as a whole has kind of brainwashed real estate agents into thinking that that is totally valuable. At the end of the day, like if you go into any Facebook group with real estate agents and you'll see like the big thing is like, man, I've never got a referral from a lender. I've never like, right. I give all a hundred percent of my stuff I send to them and they don't send anything to me and you know, stuff like that. And so clearly they want a reciprocal relationship and they're looking for that. It just hasn't really been a thing. And so then again, loan officers say, well, you know, people go to the realtor you know, because people want the house. It's like, well, people go to the realtor because realtors actually market to the consumers. Of course. Right? That's the reason why it happened. And, you know, that's the power of advertising. If you think about the reason we brush our teeth with, you know, Colgate is because of marketing and advertising, sure. right? It, you know, it's all marketing. And so you got to think about like, for the longest time, the consumers had to go through the real estate agent to see houses, right? They didn't yeah. have an MLS. They didn't have Zillow back in the day. They had to go walk in an office, see the list, you know, the stack of houses they had. And of course they were marketing sure. And, you know, historically, loan officers have gone after real estate agents. I'm a big fan of doing that. 
But I'm also a big fan of you can market to consumers. You can post on social media, which is marketing to consumers. You can buy leads and convert them and hand them off. That's marketing to consumers. Like you can bring value. It doesn't have to be that. I tell my consumer direct guys that came from consumer direct that are now going after real estate agents, train them how to convert leads. That's the thing that you're for great sure, at. For sure. Do a, do a training on how to do sales. Do a call night. If you're good with Google, show them how to freaking do stuff with Google and Google my business. I love that. Whatever it is. That's great advice, Luke. Here's what I love about what you're saying. You know, there's an old adage, I think Robert Cialdini, who lives down near you, he wrote the book called Mastering Influence. Mm -hmm. He said, prescription before diagnosis is malpractice. Yep. Prescription before diagnosis is malpractice. So what I hear you doing when you say, I know you just went through it quickly, but it's like, if you're good at Google ads, like play that card. If you have a background of marketing, maybe that's the thing to do. If you're great at cold calling, come alongside them. I don't think one size fits all. Agreed. Here's what I know. I'm a 46 long in a suit. Unless you're 6'3", 230, and I'm assuming we're not the exact same size. Wow, if you pretty close. I'm 6'4", okay. 230. Okay, so maybe I could wear your suit, right? <laughs> but even so, might have to, you know, yeah. do something with the sleeve, yeah, a little yeah. something in the back of the neck. Like, in my opinion, if you're listening to this and you're not being coached right now, and this is an opportunity for you to come alongside Luke and his organization, and they can help you, listen for the person that is willing to look for what you bring to the party and then help you amplify that moving forward instead of making you into something you're not, because right. that never works long term. Well, and, and I think the same conversation, I actually use that quote all the time. I didn't even actually know that it was a Caldini quote. So that's good to know, because yeah. I use that quote all the time. I heard it from nice. one of my buddies, and I've used it ever since. Because like in the sales conversation, we talk about the same concept. It's like, you don't walk into a doctor's office and they're like, oh yeah, we got to give you Vicodin. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like you don't even know what happened to me, right? And so it's like, doctor. so why do loan officers do that? One, when they're going to realtors, salespeople in general, like this is not just something that's only exclusive to loan officers, but obviously that's who we're talking to. Salespeople in general think that the pitch part of their conversation is the most important. Mm. I have to talk to my sales guys all the time. Stop pitching four minutes into the call. Stop pitching four minutes into the call. So like, that's not what people really need. What people need is like, we understand the pain point. Can we solve the pain point that they have. And if we can, then, and only then is it our obligation, you know, to present to them the solution, which is our service. Cool. But if not like throwing someone into a 30 year fixed instantly, or like, yeah, Hey, you got to fill out my application before I'll talk to you. Right. Like what? To me, that's wild. I'm like, so you're unwilling to have a discovery call with someone and you want them to fill out a 40, 50 question questionnaire that asks for the social and date of birth before you've had a conversation with them. Exactly. Sure. That'll work with a referral. That's not going to work with someone that's cold. That doesn't know who you are. And so to me, I'm like, I don't know. I'm a big fan of consultative sales. I am not a fan of old school, hard closing people. I'm a fan of putting pressure on people that should do the thing that you're talking you know, Again, this is all ethical, right? It comes down to being ethical. And fortunately and unfortunately, on the fortunate side is like sales is powerful, right? Like you have literally leveraging human psychology to get them to take action. But you can do it in a way where they make the decision. So it's not like a hard close. Right. Well, you know, sometimes there's fear. Obviously, in a market that we're in right now, there's fear. Like people are saying they're going to wait. I mean, you talked about this earlier, like, oh, they're going to wait. Well, that's okay. Like acknowledge it. Yeah, I totally acknowledge it's a crappy market, right? Like rates are high. For sure. At the end of the day, like you're the expert as a loan officer. You know what the cost of waiting is. You Absolutely. know how the markets, I mean, you know, again, we don't know with certainty what the market's going to do, but we know overall that real estate generally goes up. And when rates come down, real estate's going to continue to go up. You know, it's things like that. We also know inventory shortages. We know a lot of these things. We're the experts, right? Loan officers are experts. A consumer goes through a transaction once every 10 years. I think Monitor Base said that on average. It's getting uh, longer. 
Well, yeah, I think they said based off their stats is that the average home buyer buys a home every roughly 11 years based off their average numbers. And then they do two refinances in between those times. So yep. if those numbers are accurate, according to their data, that means there's still four transactions in an 11 year period, 12 year sure. period, whatever you want to call it. That's still a lot of business. If you think about it from a long term, which is what you were talking about, which is database. I know we're kind of going in a, a couple different directions, but just kind of going back to the sales conversation, like, is that some of the stuff that you are helping train loan officers on? What's sort of that conversation look like with loan officers actively in this market? Because yeah, that's a big resistance right now is, you know, the media, like, how do you get people to move forward quicker? How do you get people to take action? I mean, loan officers, but I'm saying like, how do you help them have those conversations with consumers right now? So there's a guy, if you're not familiar with this, you would love this book, the guy named Larry Kendall that wrote a book called Ninja Selling. And the title is unfortunate because it sounds like you know, black guys in robes with you know right. huge swords on their back. That's not the point. What he's talking about is the actual ninjas lived in a very peaceful environment, and it's a very tranquil environment. So the mm-hmm. cover of the book has the river rocks stacked up, you know, with kind of pebbles sure. around it, and that's really what he's talking about. But in the book, he says, stop selling and start solving. And I think that's what you're talking about, that you know, we have to listen. And so the thing that I'm trying to help people with right now is to recognize even that script that I gave you earlier. It's like, tell me about your real estate story and then stop talking. Sure. Because everybody's going to tell you the real estate story. You know, we're seniors. We're in a two-story home that's too big for us. We'd like to sell it and downsize, but we don't know how to do that. If we sold this house, what would we buy? There's no inventory. Everybody tells us there's no inventory. So what would we do? We'll solve that problem. The person we mentioned earlier that had made three offers last year and lost them to cash and is frustrated and thinks they want to just wait, well, start solving there. Help them understand, well, let's play that out to its logical conclusion. If you wait for rates to drop, what do you think is going to happen to the buyer pool? Is it going to get larger or smaller? What's going to happen to the competition? Do you think it's going to be easier or more difficult to buy a piece of property then? What if we teamed up with a realtor. Let's say they don't have a realtor, but this to your point, this is where you bring one in. Like, let's describe your dream house. Tell me what it looks like. Man, we're looking for no more than 2,500 square feet, one story. If it had a westerly view, we could watch sunsets, West Coast people. That would be spectacular. You know, if we could get something for under a million, that would be great. Southern California. Great. Let's figure if we can solve that. I think what we have to do is we have to recognize that, you know, you probably heard the law of the harvest before, Luke, you're a sales guy, you've been around the game for a while. This is the time where we are turning over soil and it's hard soil, man. It's hard packed soil. Right. We've got a shovel in that. We're turning it over. We're planting seeds. We're watering it. We're pulling out weeds. We're scaring the birds away, but we're not harvesting right now. Like there will be some, of course, there will be some enough for us to get by, Most people aren't going to kill it right now. But when the market shifts just a little more, already we're seeing a bunch of activity just in the last few weeks with rates dropping. It's like it doesn't take much to start creating more opportunities. So now is the time to plant seeds. It is not the time to go sit with your bucket under a fruit tree and say, you know what, I'm just going to wait because I know in the past they were just falling into my bucket. That's not going to work. That's not a strategy. That's hope. 
So Agreed. law of the harvest, man, that's where we're at right now. Got to plant seeds. Yeah, it's funny. I call that, you know, you said hope. I call it hope marketing, right? So many people like hope, yeah, I do a good job at what I do. And so I hope that people will come work with me. And it's like, well, unfortunately, that's not how it works. I mean, you, know, you have with to it. market, you have to do yeah. marketing. And unfortunately, that's just the reality of what you do as a salesperson is you have to market and do sales, right? And I love that you talked about like, yeah, understanding their situation, because like one of the things we talk about all the time is that, you know, our director of training, he he kind of goes through the scenario and he's like, all right, cool. Like, let's play this out on like a role play. And he'll be like, hey, so you pretend you're the loan officer. I'm the consumer. And so he'll just go, hey, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking to move school districts. And then the person will come back. Usually the loan officer will be like, oh, cool. Like, where are you looking to move to? Or like, oh, what type of house are you looking for? Right? Like basically not actually listening to the question. And so what we train on is like, you know, like ask next question, second, third level questions. It's like, hey, what's so significant about you moving into a new school district or you know, what's got you thinking about moving into a new school district? Oh, well, sure. when he comes back, he's like, well, my son has Down syndrome. I don't feel like the school district we're in right now is going to provide the appropriate resources. And so because of that, so now you have like a super deep why. And For so when sure. you get to the end of the conversation, yes, we're not going to manipulate to a certain extent, I guess you kind of are, but it's like, hey, you're leveraging the thing that they said they needed to say, hey, let's get you into a new place so that you can get your, your son into a new school district right? That leads to them getting off their butt and moving and doing something versus like, oh yeah, I just want to move school districts. Okay, cool. What are you looking to buy? So no, it's perfect, man. That's good. No, that's to your point. That's consultative selling. And you know, when you come back to that person and you say, so if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're saying is your son has down syndrome. The quality of his education is important to you. The existing school district is not doing that. If we could find a property that works for you in a school district where he's well taken care of, that would be something you would want to step into. Am I hearing you correctly? And man, that's where people are like, oh, this guy gets me. He's yep. paying attention. No, that's huge, dude. Good for you. Yeah, and I love how you labeled the problem just to make sure that you knew you understood it. And also that it shows that you care, you listen, all that kind of stuff as well. Absolutely. Um, and we talk about that sort of concept as well. It's like what I'm hearing is, you know, if we were able to find you the right house with the right price point at the right payment, how soon would you want to move? Instead of what's your timeline? Right. Same question, technically, right. you but bet. you're going to get very different answers. If you ask someone what their timeline is, they're going to say six months, 12 months. Because again, sure. the consumer knows nothing about the mortgage process. They think they need 20% down. They think they need a way. They've probably heard the rates are high, but you're not going to understand that unless you ask the question in a way that's really going to sure. get the answer that's required. And so again, I think so many times loan officers are just like letting consumers sell them on why they shouldn't do it instead of the loan officer selling them on why they should. And again, this is not trying to push someone into product they shouldn't be in. This is not, you know, getting someone into debt that they shouldn't be in, right? Like, again, there's ethics here. Like, you want to take into account their situation, but if they have the income, they have the down payment, they have the credit to buy in this market and they're not planning on selling in the next year, two, three years, right? Like, you know, again, like, it wouldn't make sense for someone who wants to sell in a year, probably, to buy a home. But for someone for sure. who's planning on moving into a forever home or, you know, seven, 10 years, like, it's going to make sense, right? Going to be able to refinance most likely. You know, there's a lot of uh, variables exactly. there. But so check this out, Luke. Did you not just recently interview Brian LaFlame? I did. Yes. So Brian is with Movement. He's a Movement LO up in the Pacific Northwest. And he posted an hour ago on Facebook as of the time that we record this. So be sure and go check it out. It's a three minute, 45 second video. And I only watched the first half of it. But it's him being completely vulnerable and transparent. And he comes on and he says, with his baseball cap on backwards, you know, typical of flame. And he's crazy funny. I mean, you know, oh, like, yeah. this guy is like wicked smart and crazy funny. Yeah, hilarious. And he comes on with a very serious demeanor and says, hey, 
it's been a really rough 18 to 19 months in this business. And right. sometimes it just sucks to be in this business. And then every once in a while, like today, something good happens. He said, I got an email at 630 this morning. And he said, this is somebody that came to us that at the last minute, they were not going to be able to close the loan, this other lender. And they came to us at the last minute and our underwriters jumped into action and we got this deal. I don't know how quickly we put it together, but it was very fast. And he said, I get this email from this person and now he tears up and he said, they said to us for the last 90 days, it hasn't felt very much like we were looking at the holidays anytime soon. For the first time, I feel mm -hmm. I can actually relax into the holidays with my family because of what you and your team did for us. And he's tearing up as he's telling this story. So to your point, I think right now is a time to be more transparent, more honest, and probably a little bit more raw about the reality of the market out there. Right. Like, You've had that happen. You have Ellos who have had that happen where somebody dropped the ball. It wasn't handled well. That family's life was impacted as a result. That wasn't just a loan that didn't close. That family's life was impacted. Man, you start getting good at telling those stories and you're going to connect with people. I guarantee you, LaFlame's going to have people today, both realtors and borrowers, who are going to be like, that's my guy. That's yeah. my guy. Want him in my court because I know he'll fight for me. Yeah, well, and interestingly enough, I mean, in the podcast that when I interviewed him, like, we actually talked about mental health, and we went down some avenues that maybe we weren't planning on going down. And, you know, which is, I think, a testament to him and being open to that conversation. Because I think the truth is, it is hard right now. And, and you talked about at the beginning, like having a morning routine. That's the same thing I tell people too. like, I said, we can't get into tactics until we can get your mind right. Like, you until, we, until we get Good your mind you. right. You're not going to be able to do, you know, I'm not trained as a coach, but I know the way I work. I'm like, if I'm in a bad mindset space, I don't care how many tactics I know. I'm not going to implement any of them. Like For I sure. can know all of the tactics in the world, but it's not going to matter until I get the mind right. And so I do that. And the first thing in the morning, you get up, you do whatever it is that you do, but you, yeah, I have a morning routine. I go to the gym, I drink water, I listen to a sermon while I'm at the gym, or I listen to like a podcast or something like that. That's positive and uplifting, drink some water. And that's it. Right. And that's so crazy. Cool. Yeah. But gets me in the right mindset. The gym as an ADHD person keeps me sane as well. So Understood. You know, there's all those things too. And I think a lot of, you know, probably a lot of loan officers even have ADHD. And you know, if you're not oh, taking my care goodness. of yourself. So prevalent. So prevalent. Yeah. And if you're not taking care of yourself and you're not taking care of, you know, how are you going to serve others? And, and, you know, and one of the things we talked about too was just like, it's hard because like, you know, being an entrepreneur or owning your business, you know, even a loan officer, I would really consider them mostly entrepreneurial type people because like you're, sure. you're starting from scratch every single day. And like people take, take, take all day long and you go home to your family and it's like, all right, like now they're going to take some more. Right. And it's like, I don't have anything to give. And so, you know, we were transparent about that and that's something, you know, I think you're right. I mean, being transparent and by using social media, by being vulnerable, you create parasocial relations because people actually understand that you're not perfect. The problem with most people on social media is they present this life like as if everything's perfect. For sure. Truth is things are not perfect. I mean, I've had calls with random loan officers because I just said, hey, you know what? I know what it feels like to be in a dark place. So if you're in a dark place, reach out to me. Like I know the best thing is just put it in the open, just Good having a conversation. And you know, so nothing that's going to make me money, but I just know how it feels when you're in the dark place and you feel desperate and you feel like you're alone. It's like, you're not really, but you know, when you're in that place, it's hard. It's hard to get through that, you know? I do know. And I think three weeks ago, and I know we're running out of time here, but yeah. I think three weeks ago, I recorded the video and sent it out to our team, which is about 1800 LOs. 
And I just said, hey, if you're not currently coached right now, if you don't have somebody in your life and you feel like you'd like to talk to somebody and just know you're not crazy and maybe have a conversation about how to get focused on a couple of things that could make a big difference right now. Like I'm just opening up my schedule for you. Like here's my Calendly link, jump on it. I'll start earlier. I'll have a shorter lunch. I'll work longer. And I think I've spoken to 43 LOs in that last three weeks that I don't coach. We don't have a formal relationship with, but you know what, to your point, sometimes people just need to know, okay, cool. Others have been here before me. I can get out of this. What got me here isn't going to get me there. Mm -hmm. I need to control what I can control. And to me, nothing feels better at this point in my career. It's not about the money or the lack of of money. It's about having an impact and making a contribution. I love it. Yeah. And I think if you come from that perspective too, like, even if it's not a short-term payoff, there's always long-term payoffs to thinking in a way that's like, hey, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, not because I want to get something out of this, but because I'm genuinely trying to help people. It's the right uh, thing to do. Yeah. I agree. I agree. So, all right. To sort of close this out, I always like to end with at least one tangible thing that someone can go out there today, implement. So if you were to be a loan officer today, or if you were to be coaching a loan officer, what would you tell them as like one or two things that they should do right now, today, November, 2023? to do. So I'm going to surprise you with this, I think, but I'm going to tell them to go buy the win by noon planner. It's 20 bucks a month. I don't care if you use Outlook, what CRM you use, it doesn't matter to me as a coach. When you have that framework to your day, where you start in gratitude, you list the top three things that have to happen today, no matter what, I don't care if you've got 28 things on your to do list, the top three things that must happen today, Gratitude, top three, my schedule's lined out. And now I start keeping track of my calls because you guys, that's your job right now. It's like social's great, video's great, but you gotta be talking to people. You gotta be involved in conversation. Every day that goes by and you're not having conversations is a day that your business is dying. Right. Get a win by noon planner, winbynoon.com, 20 bucks a month. Try it for 90 days. Hit me up, like, let me know. You know, bill.hart at movement.com. I'm pretty easy to find on social. DM me anywhere you like. Let me know how that worked out for you. Control your day. The rest will take care of itself. Yeah, I love that. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, that's what matters. And, you know, every time I talk to loan offs or anybody really that's trying to grow their business, and they're like, man, I don't know how you're doing this. Da, 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 da. And I'll always go back to, like, all right, well, how many cold emails are you sending? How many calls are you making on a daily basis? How many people yeah. did you talk to today? Like, right? Like, it's the lagging versus leading indicators. Most people are totally. still focused on the results, right? The lagging indicators when the things they can control, as you mentioned, leading indicators, right? The actions that you can control are how many conversations did you have? You know, did you ask for the application over the phone? Did you ask for the business, right? Like, but you can't force anybody to give you business. You can't force anybody to sign an application, but you can control and influence them a little bit, but you can control the actions, the amount of people you reach out to. You can't even control the amount of people you talk to. I mean, you can, you just keep calling people, but you may need to call hundred people one day. You may be calling 20 people one day to talk to the same amount of people, just depend on the day. So thank you so much for this fantastic podcast. And I really loved it. Big takeaways, obviously from today, we're you know, just kind of ended with it, but it's just really controlling what you can control. I mean, we talked about the whole time, but controlling your day, controlling what you control, control your mindset. Really, that's kind of a big thing we talked about. Ultimately, all falls under the umbrella of control what you can control. For sure. I know it sucks to hear that sometimes when you're kind of in the midst of, well, you know, the economy and this and that and all this kind of stuff. It's like, those things are realities. It's the truth. It doesn't matter though, because the market doesn't care. Market right? doesn't care. 
All that matters is the actions that you take. Thank you so much for your time today. I think you kind of already mentioned it, but is there anywhere else that people can find you and connect yeah, with you? Yeah, you bet. My website is coachbillhart.com. Everything is there. The book is there. The podcast is there. All my latest videos and content are there. So do that or just hit me up anywhere on social. DM me. Love to hear from you. But it was great hanging out with you today, Luke. I love what you're doing. Love the focus of the podcast. Love the business that you're building. If I can ever serve you and your team in any way, let me know how it is. But it was a lot of fun today. Appreciate it, Bill. And for anybody who is listening and is looking for some help on flipping the status quo on real estate agents, go to flipthestatusquo.com. Thank you so much for your time and have a great day. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.